1: Spedrosian throws to Sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first, it's over! 27 years of waiting have helped on it!
0: The Giants have won the pennant!
1: Alright Brad, we are back on Thompson to Clark. And I think the main topic of discussion today is... Whether or not you can still take the Giants seriously as mm. playoff contenders, and, and we're going to get to that, they have fallen off. Uh, we had talked about this a couple weeks ago about this road trip that they were going to have and this uh, bunch of series against good teams, and how they were going to have to split these games, and they're losing two out of every three against these teams, and as as you know, it's just math. They are now sitting on the outside of the wild card race here. Uh, they are in the fourth spot, and only three teams get in. So we'll talk about that. But before that, they have w- sort of like one last-ditch hope here, and it is the health of Mikey Stremski, Mitch Haniger, John Brebia, and to an extent... Ross Stripling. Now we thought it was possible that Yaz and Haniger were going to be available today. That is not the case. I think the goal is still to try to get both of those guys back before the series with the Reds, the home series that they're playing starting tonight. Uh is the, do you think is is that a, a a kick in the butt for them getting those guys back? Uh you are going to have to send some of your youth back probably in uh, an elliot ramos possibly sure. a matos possibly uh, a meckler uh who we have just decided to call spexler spexler of, the, the mech you know um i, I made a comment <laughs> on twitter i was like you know who Meck- meckler reminds me of is, is, is dan gladden from the nineteen eighty four yeah. nineteen eighty five giants and our buddies from uh giants cocktail the 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 podcast we've we've had both of those guys on uh, they they said yeah we we agree but all that means is that we're old enough to know and see <laughs> Dan Gladden, and I was like, "Yep, <laughs> exactly right." Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> anybody who's you know younger than than forty five has no idea who Dan Gladden is, at least for the Chinese no. you, you might know him as a twin. That that's a
2: possibility. Some of the some of the guys who are a little bit younger than us are going to know him from the. Uh, 1991 world champion twins, right? Uh, somewhere around there. Yep. Now, I'm, now I can't even, I can't even think of when the twins won it. It was 91, right? I think it was 91. That's pretty yeah, famous 91. world series. Yeah. Yeah. That was a huge one. Uh, that was, um, kind of Atlanta's first foray into being good again. Um, and, and so that was kind of fun. Yeah. It kind of kicked off the whole thing. Our buddy Harveen, who's a Braves fan though. Um, he he had to wait all the way until what was it ninety five? Yeah. for the Braves to win a World Series and they were good all of those years and and that was it. Then they kept running into the Yankees. Yep, and they run into the Twins. Uh, so yeah, they yeah, tough the the tough luck Braves of the early nineties. <laughs>
1: but
2: yeah, I um, I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it was another frustrating week. It was another week of like, why am I? <laughs> subjecting myself to watching this stuff, um, but you know we do it because we're Giants fans. Oh yeah, right? and we just we just love baseball in general. So I mean, it, it,
1: it's, to be uh, fair, yeah. One of the really good things that I like about this podcast is, you know, there are times when you just want to clock out of the Giants. <laughs> yeah, it, th- oh, these yeah. last couple weeks, I, d- sure, I do. Just so you know, <laughs> I'm sure fans are like, "Look, I, I, this is giving me too much pain." But because you and I have to talk about it, you know, we're we're at least if we're not watching all of the games, we're, you know, watching the alerts. We're checking in. We're watching highlights just because we have to talk about it. And that that is somewhat a gift and a curse to doing a podcast, a gift in that, you know, you're you're staying alert. You're knowing the ins and outs of the team. And, you know, we just talked about all these guys coming back. Like we're watching this stuff actively. But on the negative, like our feelings just keep getting hurt. (laughs) Not only our feelings, I just feel like everything's
2: getting (laughs) hurt. Every time I watch this team and they lose 10 to two to the Braves, I'm just like, come on, man. But yeah, it's, um, I don't know. They're on the cusp of kind of ducking out here. Uh, But, you know, they're also on the cusp of, coming back and getting right back into it. And and I think these players are going to help. I think Yaz is going to help. I think Hanniger is going to help. But the problem the problem is you've got guys like Meckler and Matos uh and Ramos who who can have good at-bats and, and have had a lot of at-bats um over the past month or so. And then you got Yaz and Haniger, who just haven't, so they need to kind of get back up to speed. Can you afford to plug both of those guys into the lineup at the same time, and say, "Hey, hey, boys! I know you've been out for a while, but go at it. Mm-hmm. Get it quality abs and get on
1: base. And don't hurt your, on. don't pull your hamstring, as yes while oh, we're at it." it. Don't but do that. I mean if, if Yaz pulls his hamstring again, then Conforto just comes in from his hamstring pull and replaces Yaz's bad yeah, hamstring. Yeah. So collectively you've got two <laughs> hamstrings
2: between the two guys, right? Isn't that how it works? Science, biology, I've got it all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, because you you go all the way back to when when Yaz first hurt his hamstring and it was in Mexico City. And and remember how long ago Mexico City was. I think that was before the before the summer. That's how long it's been. Uh, and then off and on since then. Um, so, so to think he's going to come back fully healthy and be that guy again, I don't know, man. I mean, he's got to he can crush right-handed hitting. We know that um, when he's hot, that's the only problem though. When he's not hot, uh, he has trouble. And and he's a guy also that you know, kind of before the injury he was one of the few guys you'd see in the lineup against lefties and righties because of his defense. Now with a bulky hamstring, uh, unless it's a hundred percent, is it going to be worth it? So maybe we just see him in against righties. Uh, there's going to be still a lot of platooning going on with, with Yaz um, that we haven't seen in the past. Um, Brebia. Great guy to have as a as an opener. Great guy to have in the back end of the bullpen. Now, if you get him in, in as an opener, can then you take um, Ryan Walker and can you shove him into the back end of the bullpen and kind of um, kind of solidify the back end of the bullpen too in some of these tougher games like we had uh, yesterday, the Sunday game, the ESPN game against Atlanta, where that was just a back and forth contest. Uh, the Giants ended up pulling that one off. What was it, eight five? Right, mm-hmm. they only they only ended up scoring five. Um, a- and you could use guys like that in the back end of the bullpen, especially with the stretch coming up. So be able being able to push Ryan Walker, I think, to like the you know seventh and eighth inning because he is nasty. I mean, when you watch him, when you watch him as an opener, I just feel like I, I watch him and I know that there aren't many other options. And I look and I see and, and-, and I go, man that kind of just seems so wasted. Like that's a good eighth inning or ninth inning arm, um, especially against right-handers. If he comes in in the eighth inning, you've got three right-handers against him. He throws those Frisbee discs up there, man. And it's, he's untouchable. Um, but then the other day uh, he was a starter or opener on Saturday and he starts messing around with left-handers and instead of throwing the slider, like a back foot slider at him, um, it, he starts throwing fastballs, like up and away fastballs. Uh, and, and then against another right-hander, um, he threw a, a, a couple of fastballs and didn't even throw the slider, and, and he got hit. So he gave up a run in the first. Um, again, not that big of a deal, but he's a guy I think I, I think would excel in the back. And so having Brebbia back – uh, I th- I think would help that quite a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so looking back at yesterday's game, it was almost necessary. We had the Phillies in Philadelphia lose that middle game, which was uh, winnable. Do get out of there with a victory, so it didn't get swept. Then Atlanta comes into town and the my takeaway from the atlanta braves is the atlanta braves are just head and shoulders above who the giants are as a baseball team and yeah. they're the they may be the best baseball team in all of baseball whether it's them whether it's the dodgers you know who you know there 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 are a i would say 3 or 4 teams that are kind of head and shoulders above the rest and then there's that next tier and then the Giants may be in, like, the third tier, but kind of just still creeping and, and you know, never say die kind of team. Tyro Strada, of all people, was kind of the inspirational voice in getting them over that hump yesterday, according to the stories and according to his teammates. And uh, I thought that was really interesting because you don't think of Tyro necessarily as, like, this longtime vet been wearing the colors for all these years, but he has been with the team for a few years now. And, you know, for the first two or three months of the season was probably the best player on their team. So it was great to see him. He has that safety squeeze bunt. He's making plays and he kind of now fits that role of the one guy you kind of depend on in that lineup, uh, you know, to have tough at bats, to be you, you know, we just see these just horrible ABs sometimes. And, you know, you want that one stable guy and he's, he, you know, he doesn't get pulled against righties. He's got to play the entire game. He's got to start, you know, pretty much every game. So that is a good guy to have in that role. And hopefully he can, he can bring more of that. Cause I think they need it, but you also at the same time, you got 32 games left in this season. Right. <laughs> The fact that Tyro had to do this speech in game one thirty,
0: <laughs> it's like,
1: yeah, I was like, all right, a little bit early, but hey, you know, any any which way you can do it, and I was happy to see that they took to to that. And still, you know, I, I saw the lineup that they rolled out, or at least the lineup card that they showed today, and I'm just like, it just doesn't match up against some of these other teams, and they they win on the margins and by the hair of their chinny chin chins and by doing things like yesterday, but they're not a lineup that necessarily scares anybody. I don't think.
2: No, and definitely not, but they do the key things. I mean, and, and that's, what's keeping them above 500. The fact that they, you know, get the key double play yesterday, uh, you know, that could have been an absolute disaster. Um, You know, you know, you had somebody not covering uh, first base, I can't remember who it was now I'm trying to think the pitcher who was trying to cover first base, um, took the, the, the ground ball throw, um, and then tossed it over to Estrada. Estrada looks towards home real quick, throws to Bailey, gets the double play. Um, and, and we get out of it and that's fantastic, but it could have been a disaster and and things kind of fall the, the way for the Giants. Um, and and when they do, that's how this team wins. It's not like the Atlanta Braves where you've got everybody in the lineup who hits 20 home runs. So if you make a mistake on the bases for the Giants, it is paramount. If you make a mistake on the bases and, and you're the Braves, nah, that's all right. We'll hit back-to-back home runs. We'll score two runs. We'll make up for it. And And, by the way, we'll also score – the most runs uh, almost in major league history in the first inning in a season, we're going to go ahead and do that too. We're going to put pressure on you. Um, And the giants did that last night. They kind of turned the tables a little bit and they put pressure on the Braves by, uh, you know, Tristan Beck going out there and having a fantastic first three innings. Uh, And just shutting down the Braves and the Giants were able to put a couple on the board and make it two nothing. Of course, the Braves come back because that's what they do. They're a team that hits. Um, But the Giants, I mean, we talk about it all season long. This is a team that has to minimize mistakes. They have to when they get on base and they get a runner in scoring position, they've got to find a way to get that run home. Uh, and, and all of August, it just hasn't been that way. And I'd say pretty much almost all of July as well, as soon as the all-star break was over. Um, so it, it's, and again, they're going into another stretch right now where they have to play almost mistake-free baseball. Because if they're going to try to climb back into a wild card spot, they have to play their best baseball. Um, they can make a mistake here and there uh, because they can make up for it. They're not, you know, they're not a doldrums team like like the A's um, who just, you know, they go down 3 nothing and that's it. For the Giants, we go down 3 nothing and we think, I mean, lately that's kind of it, but but we've seen a little bit of spark and a little bit of life, and then getting some power back, again, getting some Hanniger, getting some at Yaz back in the lineup uh, with a little bit of power, I think it's going to help.
1: And I think that's the difference in this team and maybe even the team from two years ago because when we watched how hard they had to claw to get those runs, and then in the blink of an eye, the Braves just can hit a home run and they just get all of it back. Yeah. And that is what this team is missing. They don't hit the 2-run homer. They don't hit the 3-run homer. Uh they score and when they do score and when they do hit with runners on base you're like, "Wow, like where has that been all year?" And then the <laughs> Braves can just go, "Oh, like don't be, you know, don't get too happy with yourselves cuz we're just going yes. to hit a jack and we're going to be right back in it and it's going to be so deflating for you cuz you know that the only way you're scoring runs is you you have to claw and scratch again. And so, you know, hopefully, maybe Yaz, maybe Hanegger can bring a little bit of that. I I, Hanegger had been disappointing before that, and you know, yeah, is is this crazy to me? Like, all you had to do was throw a fastball above his hands, and he was swinging, and he was swinging through it. Yeah, and you know, it's easy for me to sit on my couch and see that and say that, and then go. You know, how, does the hitting coach see that? Like he's got to see that. All he, that all you got to do is hit, put the ball right there, and he's not touching it. And of course, they see that, and they're working oh, on yeah. it throughout the entire season, and they're trying to figure it out. So hopefully, he comes back, and they, you know, and they fix uh, whatever the, that flaw was. But that would be, I think, the 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 punch. Uh, you know, the puncher's chance for them is Haniger comes back, he hits for power. Yaz comes back and he gets hot and then because what 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 happens is is that you know now now maybe Jock gets another pitch or two that that's decent instead of you know kind of getting pitched around because he's really the only guy you're worried about from the left-handed side and then you know Wilmer's been hot stay hot Wilmer. I know yeah. it's painful to be running those bases all the time. So hey, that's what happens when you got a, a th- over a thousand <laughs> OPS. You're on base, buddy. And well,
2: but but again, over the last week he only hit like 170. <laughs> yeah. But he still hit two home runs. So that's the thing. He is still running into things. Yeah. And that brings up another point too. I mean, the Braves have also have speed up and down their lineup. And they run the bases really well. We get into a situation where Wilmer hits a double. Next guy hits a single, and and you don't know for sure that he's going to score. He might get held up at third base, um, and and there's one out before that single was hit. And now you've got one out to try to get him home at that point. Uh, And and that just kind of puts a lot of pressure on the lineup, too. Um, That's why having guys like Matos and and Meckler in the lineup help. But you're going to lose that when you bring back uh, Yaz and Haniger. Uh, you're going to gain some power, but you're going to lose. We saw what the speed of Mechler can do on that uh, double play, um, you know, a, a diving catch in the outfield and then uh, throw to first base to get the double play. Meckler was able to sc- uh, tag up and score before the second out was made. And you and I both, I, I could have sworn that rule was. Yeah. <laughs> that was considered a force out. I always thought for some reason that's considered a force out, but it's not because he's you know the 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 runner had already left the base was was coming back to the base who was was um, it
1: de young was the goofball
2: on it on was it was de young yeah <laughs> yeah, it was de young and uh so he yeah but again, he had already had like four r b i that game yeah so yeah,
1: right? yeah. yeah we 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 had, decided that we're calling him ding dong de Young. not only for <laughs> his ability to hit the long ball to hit the ding dong <laughs> oh, but no. also to be a ding dong <laughs> on the bases, man yeah. That Yeah, that was a a little bit of a rough thing uh, <laughs> to watch. But, again, the
2: speed of Mickler. So, yeah, Wil- Wilmer Flores at third base, that's not happening. So, to have that speed in the lineup and also have the awareness, the base running awareness to know, you know, you've got to touch that plate before that ball is caught over at first base. So, um, you know, a little injection of youth there. You
1: see it now and then. Um, Matos yesterday with that double – uh, stretch, stretch the base, it. Yeah, level. stuff like that is helpful. Um, they, they, it's just a little bit inconsistent. You would like to see it more. Yeah. And that's kind of the struggle with young players is just well, and and you've got a lot of you've got a lot of
2: youth in the lineup sometimes too. So, so, and that's a bit of the problem. If you have the inc- inconsistency and youth, and they're taking up like six lineup spots, five lineup spots then you run into a, uh, okay, are we kind of rebuilding here? I know we're fighting for a playoff spot, but would we rather see these guys just play every day yeah. or, or would we rather just kind of, you know, plug the, the the healthy guys back in when they're back and keep fighting for that spot. And I think the obvious answer is you want to keep fighting for that spot. You get in the playoffs, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, And if you can get some playoff games at home, then you get the fans excited fill the stadium and it's awesome for everybody and it's october baseball i mean you can't go wrong with october baseball so
1: no and uh the giants our are slightly better at home 36 and 30 versus 31 and 33 on the road not a ton better but uh but still a little bit better and i i think me hot take bry. And uh, JJ are going to the game tomorrow night. So nice. Tuesday night, we're supposed to go uh, Harry Potter night. Well, oh, get, that's get, right. Get yes. to see uh, Ellie. Uh, unfortunately, um, Kyle Harrison is pitching Monday night. Right before well, we're recording, right for the game, so we won't get to see Kyle. But uh, still. And and who knows maybe maybe Yaz and and Hanager come back on on Tuesday we'll get to see the return of both of those guys so yeah that'll be fun I haven't been to a game uh, since let's see I went to I went to a couple games um, when was it in, in July I, I'd gone like almost back to back like like on a Thursday and then on a, on a Sunday so my third time in the park this season so hopefully it'll be a good game. All right, let's uh, talk about the player of the week. Yeah, so this this was kind
2: of a tough week because there were a lot of platoons this week. And when there's a lot of platoons, you don't have a lot of at-bats. Um, so the two hitters I have in the poll this week of the three players, I have two hitters and one pitcher, uh, neither one of them really got more than I think it's 12 at-bats uh, on the week or 16, maybe 16 at-bats on the week. Usually I try to look and I'll pick the guys who have who have like 22 to 23 at-bats somewhere in there. Uh, but we didn't have that this week, uh, a, a lesser, lesser number to choose from. But coming in last with no votes, which I was kind of shocked, Kyle Harrison made his major league debut, three and a third innings pitch, five hits, two earned runs, and it was all on... The two-run home run by Bryce the flow Harper. Uh, <laughs> and then one walk and five strikeouts in three and a third. So uh, excited to, to see what he does tonight. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to this, it's already going to have happened. Um, but I want to see like seven or eight strikeouts tonight. I want to see him try to get through five. I think that would
1: be pretty yeah, he, awesome. I w- he's going to be pretty pumped. I wonder if he even throws a little bit harder than that 97 that we saw.
2: There's a a very good chance he overthrows in the first inning, but we'll see. Him against L.E. De La Cruz, that's going to be exciting too. Uh, Coming in second place, Austin Slater with 25% of the vote, WRC plus of 254, 500 average, three runs, two ribs, 27% walk rate, uh, which is huge. Um, And then coming in first is the Specs. Wade Meckler, 229 WRC plus, 500 average, four runs scored, one RBI, 19% walk rate, and like we were talking about earlier, had that super heads-up play on the bases where he was able to score before the double play. And just all around, kind of uh, some heads-up base running, showing off the speed. Once he gets on base, he can show off the speed, and he was getting on
1: base with a, a five. That's why I voted for him. Speed. It was just, yeah. when you see the head first slides, when you see him scoring on plays that, you know, other guys on the team who don't have his aggressiveness or his speed, that means something like that's an edge yeah. that they can use and they need more people like that. You know, if they had another Meckler in the lineup who could stretch a single into a double or score from second on a base sit, you're getting that little extra, you know, from, from the team. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's it's also possible that he could go back down which will be an interesting thing? Is it Matos or is it Meckler that goes back down? You, you know, do they want the righty? Do they want the lefty? I think is probably going to be one of one of the the factors. Also, the fact that Meckler can play center probably yeah. helps his chances as well. Matos can play center too, but pro- they probably feel that Meckler is more of a natural center fielder than Matos might be a better left fielder. So that all, all that I, I mean, I like. I'm a, obviously a fan of both guys. So. I think
2: it's going to be whoever is not further along from their injury rehab uh, between Haniger and Yaz. Um, somebody they want to sit against the opposite or, or against the same-handed pitcher. Uh, so Haniger, you want to probably sit him against righties. Yaz, you want to sit him against um, lefties. Uh so but but one of them is going to have to play they're going to have to kind of mix and match although we're going to see Jock Peterson in the outfield again um and and so it's going to be there's they're going to want to keep one of the guys up to at least kind of spell um either Yaz or or Haniger cuz I I I kind of feel like it's a rush job at this point. I, I know Yaz with the hamstring, but I mean, if he's healthy, he's healthy. He's going to come back and he's going to play. Yeah. They don't want him to get injured more, but you get to a point where it's like, okay, is he going to go on the 60 day IL? Um, uh, and I know Hanager has had a rehab assignment down in, uh, in Sacramento. I don't know if Yaz has had a, a rehab assignment. Has he
1: had I didn't any here? I, I I heard, I heard Hanniger. Uh, right. And I heard Brebia's is about to start his, but I did not hear anything about Yaz. Yeah, I don't think Yaz actually
2: had one, so um, his his rehab assignment might be uh, up in the majors.
1: So we'll see. All right, let's talk about the uh, the adult beverage that we are both having. I'm watching you, you sip go. what you're sipping, which is, looks fantastic. What What are you drinking? It's brown. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which is always good. Yeah, uh, I w- I went with the the major league baseball sponsor because we're heading into let's go. Uh, we're we're heading into playoff crunch September. Time. It's almost all
1: September.
2: All of these games that we're playing now are are basically playoff games. Yep. And if they're treated any differently with thirty two games, thirty one games left now, if they're treated any differently, then you might as well just sit out the rest of the season because yeah. this, this is crunch time. So I went with the Evan Williams. Um, I did a big pour tonight. Usually I always thought a double was two ounces. And I think I figured out today that a double is two and a half ounces. Oh, wow. So it was like, so a shot is actually one and a quarter. One, one and a half is a shot and a double is 2.5. I'm going to look that up though, because
1: I'm not sure, you know, yeah, you got you got to figure that out because it's going to help yeah. our health as we do this show.
2: That's true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's going to it's going
2: to help our health uh, depending on how the Giants play.
1: So that's it's, also It's that's funny. funny. Um, I, Crystal's brother had a birthday today and I just assume that everyone's, you know, kind of in the ballpark of of, of our age. You know, just because because everyone, you know, is kind of around the same age as you. Yeah, And so I asked her, I was like, you know, how old is Dan? She's like 35. And so I texted him and I was like, happy birthday, you lucky dog. I'm so jealous. Crystal just told me you're only 35. Oh my God so oh man he's got he's got uh he 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 could he could hit the uh hit the drinks a little harder than we can these days
2: oh for sure let's see 35 that was uh 15 years ago i gotta do math here is that 2008 (laughs) Good lord. And oh yeah, I should I should know. But 2008, that's when my second was born.
1: Yeah. And there you she go.
2: turns 15 this year. So <laughs> I remember 35. Oh, good lord.
1: Oh, so uh I have a quick story <laughs> on uh, I, I'd mentioned that for my birthday, uh Crystal had purchased the I think it's for my birthday. is either my birthday or father. I think it's my birthday. She purchased yeah. the um scotch subscription service and so got the first bottle i was like oh this is cool i've never seen this before and then so it's like every uh, every month i think they were going to send me one and so then i I get the second bottle for month number two and i was like oh it's the same exact bottle which is great like it's really good but I did kind of want the variety to see, you know, what else is out there. So I that's, told her that's not in the spirit of having right, a, right.
2: a scotch club.
1: Yeah. So I told her, I said, hey, uh, they sent me the same one. And she's like, OK, I'm going to write these people an email. write them an email. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm Let me send you the little stickers so you can send it back. And I'll, I'll make a note and make sure so that when the third bottle comes that, you know, they'll, they'll have it figured out. So I go, like, OK, great. Third bottle comes. It's the same one again no so she emails them happening? again they're so embarrassed what what we've sort of gathered is it's it's probably not a very well-run operation <laughs> you know it's probably a very early in the ball game they're kind of yeah. trying to figure things out so you know they're so set. i will send you two and then you know you can send us the other ones back so finally today i did get the second and third bottles now oh, nice. they're 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 not exactly the same bottles but they're like kissing cousins oh, like okay. they're, they're they're the same they're from the same brand so they have a contract is, with a brand probably. one is like the anniversary edition and the other one is like whatever so uh, it's like okay whatever it's fine yeah it's, it's just you know i i'm okay with it but crystal's like I'm i'm gonna wait to send those other bottles back because who knows if they even know? Like, how are they even tracking that? Like, we may just have five instead of the three, and then we're done. You've already those. paid for it, so <laughs> yes. Yeah, <so> we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens if they keep bothering us. But we'll save uh, one for when I come down there. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I may just, <laughs> I may just send one for if they bug oh, us. Yeah, no, no, no.
2: You wait. No, it gives me an excuse to get down there, and then we
1: can go to a game. See the, the see the, the hook. To get down here was when you're oldest, you're like, hey, I went to this school, San Jose State. Yes. Are you interested at all? Let's I tried. Just walk the campus.
2: I tried, man. But we're still, you know, so, okay. So we are working on a spring break trip. Okay. For next year, where we're going to go to maybe Chico, Humboldt. Mm-hmm. But see, now if we start in San Jose, at San Jose State, and stay at Santana Row, Oh, she likes that vibe. That yeah, Santana no. Row vibe it's, it's might a be cool kind vibe. Of her thing. And then cool Valley Fair, right? I don't know yeah. if it's called Valley Fair Mall anymore. Yeah,
1: it's but... still called Valley Fair. Yeah. You know, so the, all of the, that. The other vibe, the other vibe she might like is uh, is Campbell. That Campbell area is really fun too.
2: That's true. You know, and she also might want to be a banana slug. Oh, at some point too. So there Check to out Santa Cruz. Uh, she might dig that. But
1: yeah. I think I told you this, but when Brian was about to go into his freshman year of college he went to I forget what schools he went to with his mom but I took him to San Jose State Mm. and he was like this is cool but I'm good and I was like yeah I figured because he had already gone to Arizona to see what Arizona was like and he'd already liked it I think he just did it just so that I could go back on campus and (laughs) I you know because I hadn't been back on campus in a long time but you know, it's good old San Jose State. There's, there's oh, yeah. some memories there, some nice memories. There's a lot of good memories at that place. I had, I had a blast. I hated
2: high school. I was not a high school guy. Yeah. Um, and then I went to West Valley Junior College. Then I went up to Butte Junior College up near Chico. Uh, and then when I got home and really figured out what it was that I wanted to do, and, and then I started going to San Jose State, I fell in love with school. Um, So if that's not a ringing endorsement for San Jose State, I don't know what is, but that that's kind of what got me interested in school was the whole San Jose State vibe and the radio station uh, and just all the people, um, you know, you can't beat the diversity of San Jose and the Bay Area. Yeah, Um, you go to Chico and diversity is not a thing. I don't know if it is now, but at, at the time it was not. So it always felt a little weird. Cause I came from the Bay area, went up there. Then when I got home, I felt like, okay, this is the melting pot that I grew up in. This right, right. Is, I, I mean, I loved it. I just, I, I'm super comfortable. It, it makes me happy. Um, so going back to San Jose state, I was like, okay, cool. This is where I want to be. we get got yeah. all walks of life. Everybody is just, you know, on the same page and it was a lot of fun. So
1: sounds a statement it's the a, a landmark school for civil rights when it comes absolutely to that stuff so yeah i mean that that's what I, i've always sort of been very proud about with that with that yeah. school um all right now well, and then i
2: then i met my wife
1: hmm. absolutely like that's the best that's the best thing ever
2: that's what i keep telling her i go hey we can go down there this is where mom and i met and she's like i don't don't
1: really care cool uh so quickly we'll move on the uh the bourbon that brad turned me on to the trader joe's bourbon there you go coke zero there you go and i just mix it together and my my wife says oh I, i thought you would have tried the the new scotch and i was like no It's still too warm, and so if I'm in this office and I have to shut the door, and I'm drinking the scotch, I'm just gonna get so warm. So yeah, you're gonna need Christmas music with that. So yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So uh, okay, now what we were going to talk about as our as our main topic tonight, which is Gabe Kapler. I think we, as a human being. We really like this guy. Yeah, He is a stand-up dude. He stands up for stuff that we stand up for, and he does it on a big stage because, obviously, he's a Major League Baseball manager. And I really like that about him. And I think for the most part, you know, being a former player, he was a former top prospect. Maybe he didn't become the the superstar that people thought that he was going to be. But he's the goods, right? Like, he's proven he's a baseball guy. And uh, and and he has really gone through the organizations. Like he didn't just get hired, you know. He didn't just get hired to manage. Like he was the director of the farm system, and then he was coached, you know, and stuff. So or managed, and and now he's he's with the Giants after a stay with the Philadelphia. And the question, I'm starting to see this a lot with Kyle Shanahan too. By the way, the yeah. question is is he the right guy to take your team to the next level? Uh, Two years ago, the Giants had a fantastic regular season, and because of the wackiness of the the playoffs, they lose in the first round to the Dodgers, where it's like, if this were sort of fair, you don't pit the two best teams in the uh, National League against each other, and the Dodgers were literally one run better than the giants in game five. So now we fast forward last year, they are a 500 team this year. They're pl- maybe playing above their weight a little bit. And now it's, you know, there's, it's starting to bite them a little bit and they're coming back down to earth, but there's still several games over 500. Like we just said, they're in the wild card race, a game and a half out. What, what kicked them to, to, to the four spot is, uh, the Diamondbacks won eight out of their last ten, or whatever it was. The Diamondbacks actually played yeah. really good baseball. So the Giants, on the flip side, are not. They're they're losing two out of every three games. So the question now becomes: Is Kapler the right manager for this organization? Is there something that he is not doing that is to blame for the bland baseball that we've seen uh, of late? And this is this question is very hard for me, and you and I had this conversation the other day, and I kind of tie him and and, and Farhan together just because of the way that this the operations works, and I'm not sure if one is more, I, I like, I sort of feel like if if it's if Kapler's going down with the ship. Zadie is like tied to his foot. Like that's kind of how I see their partnership, but you were saying that maybe Zadie is the one who's spared and they find another manager. And my thought on that was, well, that manager is going to probably be a lot like Kapler because of the way that this whole thing works. But I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of get your thoughts out about Kapler, the job that he's done, uh if he is the right guy, if he's not the right guy, where do we turn? All that stuff.
2: Yeah, and and so it's 2023. What do you see on the road? A lot. You see a lot of hybrids. So that I mean, I think we can. I think we can kind of move maybe towards a hybrid type of manager. And again, this is if Kapler's not it. But then then Kapler surprises us in the, in the interview last night during the game with ESPN. They ask him, you know, when is Tristan Beck coming out? Uh, you know, how many innings did you have him slated for tonight? Blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, he's pitching really well. So after each inning, we're just going to talk to him, see where he's at. If, uh, if he feels good and, and he's still going well, or just run him back out there. And I thought, that's not how we do things. We, usually things for us are pretty well scripted, and you kind of have an idea of how things are going to go. So it is refreshing then at that point to know that, okay, Kepler is more of a hybrid manager than we give him credit for. I think uh, I see a lot of times on, on Twitter, it's, you know, Oh, you know, the, the, this has already been decided. This game is already, this is how it's going to go. This guy's going to pitch here. Um, when a right-hander comes in, these batters are going to come in, but we we've seen over the last couple of weeks, you know, he said, well, Meckler You know, I left him in because of this. And, uh, you know, I took this guy out because of this. So I I can't give specific examples, but when you look at that, you're you're thinking, okay, that's great. So now we're starting to kind of go a little bit more with a feel thing. Um, Then you start to look and you say, well, is it personnel? Are we having personnel issues? Are we having a hard time? attracting some of the players that we want to have play in San Francisco. Uh, What's it going to take to do that? It's going to take winning. Uh, We were in pursuit of judge. We were in pursuit of Correa. Didn't get either of those guys, but judge's script was written. He was going back to New York. Correa's was uh, a a total, you know, a a total, something that that's just not going to happen normally. Um, If it weren't for just, one doctor thinking this thing, uh, I think Correa's in a Giants uniform, um, unfortunately hitting 225 with 13 home runs. I, I we, <laughs> we we can combine other shortstops to hit 225 with 13 home runs. Yes. Paul De, Paul DeYoung comes to mind. I think we can yes. figure that one out. Um, but but I, I'd hate to see Kapler go because I kind of feel like at times, like a game like yesterday, that Sunday game, that ESPN game, I see that and I think, man, okay. He can take the type of talent that we have on this team. All of those young guys, he can put them together. He can have a guy like Tyro on the team and Tyro decides it's my turn to speak. I'm going to say some things. Kapler lets him go. Says, Hey, you know, go for it. Um, And then you see the team respond. So then you think, okay, now are we building something? 107 wins, 81 wins. What are we going to have this year? Hopefully more than 81 wins. Continue to build, continue to build a starting rotation, uh, continue to build a lineup with some players that can play every day instead of always having – I mean, when you're platooning, when you're looking at your lineup and you can platoon anywhere from one to nine guys in your lineup, uh, to me – I have a hard time with that, with thinking that we can maintain that successfully. Uh, I would love to have three or four players in the lineup who play pretty much every single day and then platoon the rest of the lineup and kind of move parts around. Um, I think that that could be more successful looking at Tampa Bay, something like that. Uh, you know, like in a arena that you could run out there every single day guy who injects, life into your lineup can hit both lefties and righties. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh and, and is just, you know, a very awesome dude to have in your lineup. We're going to have two or three of those types of players in your lineup, maybe even four um, going forward. I think Kapler stays around. I think Zadie stays around. Um, is he on the hot seat? I'd say no at this point, because again, they're still fighting for a playoff spot. If they make the playoffs, he's bought himself at least another year if they just missed the playoffs, I think he's still around next year um, because, again, he's he's starting to build a bond with this younger lineup, and then you add parts to that younger lineup. Now, are all of these young guys going to stick around? Are they all going to be in the lineup next year? No, definitely not, because they're, you know, keyword, young. We got some 20-year-olds. We got some 21-year-olds. We got some kids that could use some more seasoning in AAA, but to have them in AAA for when you do have those injuries or you have somebody underperforming or you make a trade and you want to bring somebody up to have that, that's a luxury. And I think that's what Zadie is building. I like it. I hate to always be so positive because the team is playing like garbage most of the time the past month, but you kind of have to, when you look at, when you look at your team from the outside, so many other things going on in life. I could look at them and say, This is terrible. I'm not going to watch this anymore. This is garbage. No, I want to watch the games. I'm excited for tonight's game. Kyle Harrison, I mean, he's yeah. on the mound. I don't, if they lose, they lose. But if he goes out there and throws five innings and gives up three runs, but strikes out eight or nine, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the future. Um, and, and to have that
1: stability in Zadie and Kapler there, I think it's really important the the thing that is very interesting and i can compare it and the reason i mentioned Kyle Shanahan is cuz 49er people media say that John Lynch is the general manager but Kyle Shanahan is really the one who makes you know a lot of the decisions about the roster yeah and so they're kind of tied together. And if someone is to get a lot of the praise, it should be Kyle. And if someone is to get a lot of the blame, it should be Kyle. And there's this belief that, you know, by having Kyle so close to the team, that his inability to sort of be able to step back, which is kind of John Lynch's job, you know, may affect some of his decision making. Capler and Zadie, I think, are while they're sort of connected in the same way. I'm sure they have discussions, but it seems clear to me that Zadie is like the final answer on you know the decisions and such. But I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure there's a, it's a multi pronged process. You know, Patilla and uh, and Capler. I'm sure they all have a, a, a certain say. But if Zadie is the one who should be getting the credit or the negativity about these decisions, I do think Kapler's getting a little bit too much of the blame. Uh, Yeah. Obviously, obviously Farhan is hes not out there as the public face. Kapler is the public face. So that's probably why, right? But we talked about this all off-season long, which is... They fail and fail and fail to get the big name. And now, if you hit on Judge, great, because Judge is still good. They kind of lucked out by not hitting on Correa, right? Yeah. Because you know that would have been not not so good to to have him and uh, for all of those years. Well, and plus, because if
2: you give him that money, you have to play him every day. You can't give him all of that money and then platoon him yeah because you would get roasted in the media and the fans would revolt. it would be
1: insane. I mean he, it, just with the numbers that he has throughout the injuries and all that stuff, I mean he his season is still better than than Crawford, so they would actually oh, be oh, for sure a positive at, at shortstop. but I guess my point is is that Kapler is doing he is he is running the playbook that the organization has set. Yeah, And if Farhan was able to get better players, that playbook runs a lot more smoothly. When you have so many players where it's dependent on the arm that the pitcher is throwing, and we've talked about this, this was my real frustration with the roster this year, which is the predictability in all of these injuries, these injuries that are happening to me, these are not surprises. You just have a bunch of old guys and guys who are predictably getting injured, which, you know, maybe it's still part of this playbook, which part of what is, what they're doing is like, look, we know that we have a roster, which guys will get injured. But the way that we, that we created this 40 man, We'll be able to plug in and it'll, and it'll still be fine. And for the most part, it is. They're they're kind of in in the race still. But when you don't grab that big whale or whales, like you mentioned, you know there is no Rosarena on this team. And you you know, and it's it's kind of it's kind of hard for me to talk about this because we just saw the Braves come in. Like like if yeah. you have Acuna and Olson, it's an absolute. Different team. The Giants don't have an Acuna or an Olsen to you know be. And, and if you did, then we're talking about a different. You know, we're talking about a team that's probably competing with the Dodgers for first place. So, yeah, my, I, I guess I think still, I still believe that Kapler gets a little bit too much of the blame. Uh, Farhan skates a little bit underneath a little bit because he's not the the face of the team if you make a move and this may not even be doable where you, is it possible to even lose both guys and maybe Patilla slides in and you have an idea of a, of a guy who's, who's a manager who, who could, who could be exactly what, what he would like. I just think that they're sort of a package deal. And if you let one go and you don't let the other go, you're kind of laying the blame. And I think the ultimate blame needs to be laid on the guy who's making the roster decisions. And that is not to say that I think Farhan should be gone either. I I like a lot of the stuff that he does, but he is also the guy who wasn't able to get Harper, wasn't able to get Judge, wasn't able to get Correa, for for reasons. But that's kind of what is what his resume is. And we are living off of this 2021 season in which they played such great baseball uh, and... Uh, and you know, I think I think that's about that. There is something to that. They should get some credit for that season, but these last two seasons are probably a little bit closer to what those ro- the rosters are that they had. That's, the, the way that they're playing these last two seasons is probably a little bit closer to what the value of that. I think.
2: Uh, so I've got a question, and and it's going to be a tough one. Because you and I are more level headed. I think, (laughs) you know, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not hot take (laughs) artists. No, no, we're not hot take artists. (laughs) We we're, we're more level headed. We think things through, uh, because again, we've been with this team for years and years and years and years. Yeah. Um, so we know that we are going to be fans next year, no matter what. Uh, we're, we're not angry. We're not you know, calling for somebody's head or anything like that. But as, uh, let me throw a scenario out to you mm-hmm. um, to see what your reaction might be if this happened at the end of the season. Okay, 10 games left in the season. Giants are one game out of a wild card spot. And they're even 500. 10 games left they lose 10 in a row to close out the season and totally blow that last wild card spot yeah what would your reaction be in a situation like that after having an 81 and 81 season and then missing the playoffs when you were so close but then just went up in a ball of
1: flames at the end of the season it's so funny that you mentioned that because the team that I was comparing this to is the 2018 Giants. Right. Because the 2018 Giants, they hung around 500, a little bit over 500, you know, within a couple of games of the wild card. And, and they, that was they, before that extra wild card, too. Yeah. And I think then only two spots. And then in September, they just died. And ultimately when you look at that team you go, "Oh, that that was just not a good baseball team." But yeah. for 75% of that season, they were kind of like this team, you know, a few games over 500 competing, not great. Obviously, it was going to be a uh, a lot of luck involved for them to compete against some of the better teams, but that's kind of when I was digging through cuz I have in the back of my mind that 2018 team was like Absolute dog crap. And then I was like, you know what? (laughs) They weren't that bad. (laughs) There was you know, my memory is more so the end of the season rather than for the majority of that season. And the majority of that season is they were kind of like you know, this year and last year. So unfortunately, because that's how our brains work, I think if they did lose 10 in a row to end the season, they would actually be looked at as a bad team. And the only reason why I wouldn't think so is because I, I just looked up that 2018 team and was like, okay, like this isn't that much different from what we're what we're dealing with. They just had a bad end. The but the key is to not have that terrible ending, right? Like they have to find a way to compete um for the entire season. They cannot. you cannot compete for 80% of the season. And then for 20% of the season, you're just not good. Like it just, that just doesn't get it done in a 162 game season. So there is, they, I think they do have to play this thing out and be close for this season to not be seen as an absolute and uttermost failure. But you, but you wouldn't be calling for their,
2: for Kapler's head for Zadie's head. If that happened.
1: Me? Probably not. But I could see the mainstream media absolutely calling for their heads. Yes. I'm in the same boat as you where I would say, I want
2: one more year. I want one more year I want to see what we do in this offseason because, again, you call for Kapler's head and they fire Kapler. Zadie, like you had just said, we just had this conversation, Zadie is still making the calls. Yeah, He is still in free agency making the moves. So that doesn't change. He's still building a roster of platoon players. Um, We're trying to get a name or two uh, and trying to mix in youth. That's still what he's trying to do. And at the same time, still trying to build the farm system. So you're not going to see a massive trade to go out and get uh, a, you know, a big name player because he doesn't want to sell the farm. So you're not going to see that either. So that's why I'm also not calling for Kapler head at that point. Cause I, mm-hmm. I want to see next year. What can you do with another Zadie roster? Can you build off of that by adding the youth? Uh, let's give reference to the 2018
1: season. <laughs> uh, and, and look, that you know, I I think my memory, like even when I looked back, they were they were, a no, little you're right, over, they were a little bit no, over 500 for about 70 percent of the season, and then yeah, the, you know, the last 30 percent they just died. No, you're
2: pretty much dead on. August 31st, does that sound familiar? That's in three days. Yeah, August <laughs> August 31st, they were 68 and 68. Then they lost 11 in a row. <laughs> yeah. And so on September 12th, now they're 68 and 79. Yeah. And at that point, play well under 500 and finish 73 and 89. Uh, 18 games out of 500. So, or 18 games out of first place. So there were six and a half games out of first place on August 31st. And then after that, just totally went downhill.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So here's, now here's another kind of big thing, which is, the free agent market for this off season. It is like a two player, three player, like, okay, yeah, now, I'm, I'm going to give one. you, I'm going to give you the names. <laughs> I'm going to give you the names. Obviously there's one giant name and this guy may not be a pitcher. Like some teams may just be like, dude, you're not pitching. Yeah. Shohei Otani, right? He just hurt his arm again. He he's... may not pitch next year. and And sure. he, he's still just, hitting bombs like left right right. right he's he's oh, yeah. still he's he's the best he's the best player he's since Barry Bonds to me yeah Marcus Stroman who we kind of wanted the Giants to trade for uh he is going to be a free agent Javier Baez who I would say has been a bit of a disappointment in Detroit yeah. wouldn't you say we don't need He's another infielder. So, so we, we, he may yeah. not opt out. Maybe, maybe he will.
2: And, and we don't need another
1: infielder who swings at everything. Right. We've already got that. Um, just other players who – I'm just looking at this list. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is going to be a free agent again. Um, Jock Peterson's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh Conforto, he's got the player option. We're on, we're probably the hook for this dude again, but but basically what I'm saying, Sean is, or Ross Stripling, right? Uh, you know, Bellinger's literally the only guy under 30 except for Otani on this list, and we know about you know his inconsistencies. So my, true, but he I think he is
2: having a, a fantastic resurgent season. Yes. Uh So I think other than Shohei, he's going to be the guy who gets like a five or six year deal, maybe even a seven year deal after this.
1: Yes. But my point is, is that if your thought is like, well, the giants may not get Shohei. Right. But they're going to be aggressive and get whomever the next player is. There is no next player. Right. So what, we know about when it comes to uh, how Zadie builds this roster, the way that he builds a roster may actually play into what uh, it, it may be really good for them this off season, because they're going to find guys who other teams may stay away from for X, Y, and Z. And the giants may find good positions for these guys. And so, I think this is one of those years where having Zadie and the way that he puts together a roster may actually be beneficial because the fact that it's really like Shohei and then I don't even know who would be the number two player in this free agent market. So what yeah. w- w- this may not be the year to get rid of the you know the current crew that we have.
2: Yeah, and and the other thing too is I think if you're wooing. Shohei, you're wooing him under the understanding that this is the way we do things in San Francisco. This is the roster we build. This is the way we play the game. We like platoons. You're going to pitch every seventh day, which I think he would want anyways, sixth or seventh day, which I think was attractive to him in the first place, you know, when he was deciding between uh, San Francisco and Anaheim. Um, he he wanted he, you know he wanted a large rotation where he could throw every sixth or seventh day. Um, so if you if you if you get Shohei, I think at that point you're kind of committed to Kapler and Zadie for for at least a few more years. I would love to see Shohei offered a, a deal of like here's ten years, super <laughs> front loaded, right? Super front loaded where he's making like. 30 million uh, a year, maybe for the first three years. Um, so he can get 90 million after three years, or even more than that. I don't know, 40 million, 120 million after three years, and then an opt out mm-hmm. um, with major incentives for pitching. You throw this many innings, then you know, we tack on an extra 10 million or whatever it is. But um, I think they're going to really kind of
1: front load
2: that deal
1: uh, quite a bit. But hey, I let's let's give him the Bobby Bonilla deal. The, he can he There you he go, can Pay him until mm. 2060. I'm all good with I that.
2: like that. <clears throat> yeah, may, yeah, have it end in my lifetime cuz I do want to get <laughs> I, I do want to get some like Shohei Day Hey,
1: it's Shohei Day t-shirts, you know. Like yeah, Ryan, that's that's perfect. <laughs> okay, so last question and we we'll, we'll make this one short cuz we're already at our hour mark here. Yeah, we got 5 minutes before Kyle Harrison takes the mound. Too. I know, we got to get out of here so we can watch. Camilo yeah. <laughs> um, Camille Duval. Yeah. He hit a tough spot. In yeah. in the uh last four games, he had four blown saves in a row. And then last yesterday he finished the game, struck out two. Giants were up three, so it wasn't that pressured of a situation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he closed that game out. I I don't I mean, I don't know obviously the psychology of it, like who I, I don't get to talk to him and how he feels. But because of the fact that the Giants play so many close games. That brother has been in some high leverage pressure situations and uh, it seems like, you know, he just went through a bad stretch. He was still hitting 97, 98 on the gun, but he also had to pitch a lot of late. So I hope the Giants can get him a little bit of distance and and maybe help him uh, freshen up a bit. But then we just said it's 32 games left. It's a sprint to the finish. You need him. What what did you, What is your gauge on the Doval issues? And do you think this is going to be an issue for the rest of the season?
2: I don't think so. I think of the four, I mean, we saw of the four blown saves, the first two he came in with, he had runners on, right? And he ended up, uh, runner stole third. I think Acuna stole third base and Bailey threw it into left field. Uh, and then the runner scored and then that tied up the game. So that was a blown save right there. Uh, another one, he came in with a runner on, gave up, that, that weak little grounder to, uh, to Crawford who didn't eat it threw over to first run scored, you know, it's kind of fluke stuff. The other two were straight up blown saves. Um, especially the one to Bryce Harper. Uh, but then he comes in yesterday, Sunday night. I just, I mean, out there dealing, throwing strikes, hitting, uh, hitting the target. That was the key was hitting the target. Uh, he wasn't just throwing so hard that everybody was swinging at whatever he was throwing. He was hitting the target. And so I think that's a key. Sometimes, I don't know. I mean, I love Tranquilo. I love his chill attitude. But sometimes when you're a closer, you got to be Brian Wilson. You got to be Rob Nen. You got to have some attitude, man. You you can't just sit back and say, whatever, it's all good. Whatever happens, happens. You, you know, and it was so chip, funny. Man. It's so
1: funny that you say that because remember, and this would have been was this last year when he threw his glove down. Remember yeah, when yeah, he was not tran- tranquilo. Tranquilo. Yeah. I think that was earlier this year, wasn't it? Is it the, the early this year or last year? But when yeah, he did yeah, get yeah. mad, and then you yeah. know he, he's obviously uh, some of this is just. That's just his personality, and it's been good for him.
2: Oh yeah, but, well you know, he owns horses, right?
1: So yeah. I mean, he's a like just a chill dude. And and we saw horses. <laughs> the All Star game, him yeah. against Julio Rodriguez. It was like it's phenomenal. It was like I'm gonna throw as hard as I can, you swing as hard as you can, and let's yeah. see what happens. That was awesome. If,
2: of the roster, you look at all the pitchers we have on this roster. If we're in a game, let's say game one sixty-two, we have to win game one sixty-two to get into the playoffs, and we have a one-run lead, and we're at home, and you stick him out there, even on the road, you stick him out there. I have faith, more faith in him than I do anybody else in our line, in our in our pitching staff. So, you
1: know, yeah, I, I agree with you. I would say that maybe the plan gets stretched out a little bit so that he doesn't have to come in with one out in the eighth inning. And right. maybe you 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 make situationally, you set it up so you don't have to deal with that moment. I think they could do that a little bit better because, you know, he has pitched a lot this year. He throws really hard. He, you know, there's a lot of things have to go right in his delivery for you know he's a little like Lincecum in that way, where the, sometimes the ball doesn't go exactly where he wants, but it plays right. into his. It you know it's 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 good for him. So, uh, yeah, I I would I would just make you know let's manage this bullpen a little bit more closely and just not rely on him to save our rear ends if if need be. So that that's yeah, that's my only advice. Let's not
2: run him out there five days a week.
1: Yeah, not, yeah, any, totally. anything but that. All right, it is Harrison Knight. Hey, for those of you watching, uh, hopefully you turn it on to see Harrison. Let's, let's hope for a good game for him. For those listening on the podcast, thanks for checking it out. We know that we're late here, but hopefully we're crossing our fingers that it was a good game. Uh, but we'll be back next week, though. Next week is Labor Day, so maybe. Oh right. I don't know what your what your day. Maybe maybe we push next week uh, a day later for this podcast.
2: Yeah, it's possible.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep you in the loop. And uh, we'll be back next week for Brad. I'm double GC when we see you. Peace out. Peace.